This is Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International, a non-denominational end times ministry dedicated to fulfilling a divine commission to trumpet forth warnings from God concerning the imminent second coming of Christ and the impending judgment of God upon the ungodly. God has sent Dr. Hansen to many nations of the world with a solemn warning to the political and religious leaders and citizenry to repent of their sinfulness and wickedness or face the catastrophic judgments that will soon be unleashed upon the unbelieving world. Listen now to the warnings of our compassionate and merciful Creator conveyed through His faithful prophetic spokesman, the host of Warning Radio, Dr. Jonathan Hansen. This is Dr. Jonathan Hansen. I'm the president of World Ministries International, and you're listening to the Warning Radio program. My special guest was Flo Eller, she spoke at my Sabbath service for the staff of World Ministries International and their families. The message was, Revive Your Work. She actually spoke for me May 20, 2017. Now sit back and enjoy this message, Revive Your Work, by Dr. Flo Ellers. Hallelujah. Well, how many of you are ready to have church? Woo, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You'll probably have to turn me down. Well, that's what revival is all about, isn't it? Wake up a dying church, a sleeping church. Hallelujah. We need to wake up. Praise the Lord. Well, the title of my message today is Revive Your Work. Ah, hallelujah. It's not my work. It's His work. He is committed. In these last days, He said that the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. No matter what the church looks like right now, she ain't going to be like that much longer. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. She's going to rise up. There was a man many, 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 many years ago that had a vision of a giant laying on the ground and covered with debris. And every time the giant began to rise up, all the debris was falling and the debris was demonic powers. And then it would fall back down again. And finally it got the strength. And it stood on its feet. A mighty army. Hallelujah. And that's what I expect in this last revival. I believe that this is the last revival. Well, at least it is for me. <laughs> I believe that this is the terminal generation. At least it is for me. <laughs> I don't know. Brother Jim back there, he's going to live maybe to the next generation. But this generation that is alive today is going to see the mighty works of Jesus Christ. They're not only going to see it, they're going to demonstrate it. Hallelujah. In these last days, praise God. Hallelujah. We are excited today. Amen. We're alive. The greatest demonstration of the Spirit of God is coming on the earth right now. And God always moves through His people. But He also moves independent of people. He chooses to move through us. 
But there are times when heaven comes down to earth and the glory of God descends upon the people and God begins to work independent of man. That's the glory. But the anointing is different. In the anointing, we work. In the glory, he works. <laughs> Amen. Don't get confused about that. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you today. We thank you, Lord, for the mighty word of God. You said that you lift up your word even above your name. And I thank you for your word today. I thank you, Lord, that you are reviving your work in these last days. The greatest demonstration of your spirit will come through the terminal generation. And Father, I thank you that the signs and wonders and miracles will be done by the name of thy holy servant, Jesus. And Father, we thank you that believers in these last days, you said those that believe in your name will cast out devils. Yeah. And I thank you for that, Father. They will raise yeah. the dead. They will lay hands upon the sick. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will not harm them. I thank you that a people that are rising today are supernatural because yeah. we serve a supernatural God. We thank you for that, Father. We yield ourselves to you right now. Spirit, soul, and body. Come, Lord, and begin to speak through me, Father. Let it write upon the hearts of your people, Father God. Let it be imprinted on their hearts, Father God, that they will go out and demonstrate and manifest your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I want you to open your Bibles to Habakkuk. Kabakuk is the way the Hebrews pronounce it. Kabakuk. It sounds like a clinket language. Kabakuk. <laughs> In our language, the clinket language up from Alaska, we say isluk. That means drink. Have a drink. <laughs> isluk. Gano. <laughs> so kabakuk. It sounds just like clinket to me. Kabakuk means embrace. God is about to embrace his people. Before we demonstrate, he's going to embrace us. He's going to fill us and then he's going to flow through us. Because whatever he can get in us is what we will release. The more that we have, can all you get and get all you can. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's what we need to do with the anointing. Praise God. In Kabakuk. Chapter 3, verse 1, it says, A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet on Shiganoth. I think that's how you pronounce it, Shiganoth. I thought, what in the world is a Shiganoth? <laughs> Whatever it was, the Bible says it was set to wild, enthusiastic, and triumphal music. Hallelujah. That sounds like Keith Green to me. <laughs> Hallelujah. It sounds like Phil Driscoll and Mighty Warrior CD. It sounds like a tribal music. Anyway, it wasn't boring. Can you see God sitting up on his throne? And there he is sitting and he's watching all the prayer meetings going on on earth. And there is one that comes up from the traditional churches and he says, Oh God. Oh, send revival. And God begins to scratch his armpit and yawn in his face. But until 
a man named Habakkuk. This is that young radical generation. Hallelujah, Gabriel. That young, wild, enthusiastic generation. And they come into the prayer meeting and they begin to dance like Chuck Berry. <laughs> I come from the olden days. I love Chuck Berry. Hallelujah. He playing his guitar and he's dancing back and forth. If Chuck Berry was born again, I'm telling you, he would set wild music before the Lord. Oh God, he's yelling out. Oh God, I've heard about your speech and I was afraid. Oh Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. That's the cry of this generation. Oh God, revive your work. I heard about Azusa. I heard about the day of Pentecost. But now it's my time. This is my generation. This is my season. Oh God, revive your work. And let it flow through me. And let me demonstrate the power of God to this generation. Hallelujah. That has to be the cry and the passion on the inside of us. Revive your work in the midst of my years. I don't want to just hear about Azusa Street. I want Azusa Street here now. Hallelujah. In the midst of the years, make it known. And then it says in verse 3, And God came. And God came. There he is watching Chuck Berry playing on the Shiganoth. Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. And the Bible says there's God sitting on in there. And then here's the one, oh God. And God is... But until the one that generation begins to cry out. The Bible says he sends for the angels. Go down and see what all that noise is on earth. And the angels come back to God and report back to him saying, I don't know, this Habakkuk, he's playing on the Shiganoth to wild enthusiastic music. Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. And the Bible said, God said, I think I'll go down to earth and I will examine it and see what this is. Who is this Habakkuk? So God stood up and God began to work and walk down to earth. And he looked, and when God came, revival happened. Amen. Hallelujah, that is revival. Yes. When God comes, we want God to come in our midst. Yes. We want God to come into Stanwood, the most liberal state in the nation, Washington, D.C. God can flip it around and make it the most radical state in the nation. Hallelujah. He can do it. By a whole army or by few. Yes. He can do it with one Habakkuk. Yes. Hallelujah. And the Bible said his glory filled the heavens. His brightness was like the light. Verse 4. And he had rays or flashes coming from his hand. And there was the hiding of his power. Hallelujah. When God lays his hand on you. You are radically changed. You are never the same again. One encounter with Jesus Christ, you will never be the same. Hallelujah. One encounter, one touch of the master's hand will completely and radically change you forever. And it says, after the flashing of his hand, there was the hiding of his power. Before him went pestilence. 
Every pestilence will bow its knee to the name of Jesus in this next move of God. Whether it's HIV positive, whether it's a homosexual or a lesbian, they will bow their knee to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. No demon can stand in him when God stands up and begins to move. Fever followed at his feet. Verse 6, he looked and he startled the nations. He is about to startle. He is about to do a work in our day and in our time that we have never seen before. Hallelujah. From the days of Pentecost until this final generation, God is about to wrap things up. And you think he's going to come for a mamby-pamby church, a sniffling church, a weak church, an impotent church? No, he's going to come back after a church full of the power and the glory of Jesus Christ. We're going to act like him, talk like him, eat like him, speak like him, walk like him, minister like him. Hallelujah. Because we are sons of the Most High God. Hallelujah. And verse 12 says, you march through the land in indignation. God is angry at sin and he's angry at disease and sickness that's holding us back. Enough of that sickness. Enough of that disease. Enough of the spirit of fear. Boldness is what we need. The march through the land, he trampled the nations in anger. The nations that dare to rise up. The nations that have dared to infiltrate into the church and hold the church back. God said, I'm ticked off at that and I'm going to stand up and I'm going to put the devil out. It's my church. The Lord said to me, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And the Lord said to me, he said, I will no longer knock at the door of my own church. It's my church. I died for this church. And I will not knock at the door of my own church. I'm coming in whether they like it or not. Huh. Hallelujah. That is the God that we serve. That is the God that we serve. This mamby-pamby Christianity has got to go. Over in Africa. Have you been to Africa, sister? I've been many places in Africa. I love Africa. But there was a mighty man named Benson Itohosa in Africa and a mighty apostle. He had many churches under his ministry. And the Muslims would come in and they would burn 10, 12 of his churches. You know what he would do? Would they call for a prayer meeting? No, they would arm themselves. Benson Itohosa and the Christians arm themselves, and they would go into the Muslim camp, and they would burn 10, 12, the mosques. Said, you burn my churches, I burn your mosque. Amen. Amen. That's the kind of Christian God is raising up today. Not the ones that... He went forth for the salvation of his people. In verse 16, and when I heard this, my body trembled, and my lips quivered at his voice. Hallelujah. Praise God. God is raising up mighty warriors in this last days. Hallelujah. Among the Native Americans and the Latinos. Glory to God. God's raising them up. All people. All races belong unto Him. Praise God. 
He is the monarch of the universe. And when he comes in revival, he shows himself for who he is. Don't confuse God's delay with his mercy. Because there's the fullness of God. Behold the goodness and the severity of God. If there's one side, there's the flip side. Hallelujah. Many times in revival, you see the severity of God. Up in Alaska, we had a revival. It went from Ketchikan all the way up to Point Barrow, from one end of Alaska to the other. People were flying in to Juneau, where I lived. And they were coming in for the revival. The church was just totally packed out. And there was one man sitting there with his arms. He was a backslidden preacher. That was the worst kind. <laughs> he's sitting there and he's looking at the evangelist kind of like, bless me if you can. <laughs> I tell you, a fireball from heaven came. I didn't see the fireball. I saw the results of the fireball. There he's sitting there like that. The fireball hit him and his legs shot out, his arms shot out, his mouth opened wide and he was screaming bloody murder. As the Spirit of God shoved him back, five rows, five rows of chairs shoved back behind him. As his hands were out and he's screaming. I said, get him again, Lord, get him again. Backslidden preacher. I tell you, God is about to move in the earth. Hallelujah. And we are going to witness it. Praise God. In Hosea chapter 6. It talks about the revival. Verse 1. Come, let us return to the Lord. That's revival. Coming and returning back to the Lord. Verse 2. After two days, He will revive us. And on the third day, He will raise us up. Hallelujah. It's been two thousand years since Jesus was on the earth. It's completed now. It said after two days. A thousand years is as a day unto the Lord. So it's two thousand years. But he said after two days. On the third day. We are on or in the third day right now. Praise God. He said after the, in the third day. He will come to us like rain. Hallelujah. That rain. He will raise us up in that rain. That rain means to stir us up, to establish us, to lift us up, to strengthen us. That's what revival is going to come to the church first, and then it will go to the world. God has to strengthen us. God has to lift us up. God has to confirm us. God has to accomplish what He started in our lives. The Bible said He will fulfill all that he said to us in prophetic words. Praise God. This is the season for the fulfilling of the prophetic words spoken over your life. Well, how many more years do you think you have? <laughs> Some of you are getting old like me. <laughs> the time is now, Lord. Hallelujah. Unless you make me like Sarah and Abraham. Unless you make me like Moses. And you live to be 120, but I'm 72 years old. I said, Lord, it's time to do it now. Hallelujah. 
Praise God. You got to get a hold of God. You got to have bulldog faith. You ever see a bulldog put a bone in his mouth and trying to get it out of his mouth? No way. That's bulldog faith. God has given me a promise concerning the end time revival and I am not going to let him go until he blesses me like Jacob of old. I will not let you go if I have to struggle with you all night long. You will fulfill the word that you spoke to me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You think God gets upset or gets nervous about a person like that? No, he likes it. He said, I like it. I like tenacity. I like it when you get a hold of me. It says, I ripped the veil off from the top to the bottom. So he said, come boldly into the throne of mercy. Come boldly. Not all. No, Jesus. Straighten your shoulders out. Stand upright. Hallelujah. You are a child of the Most High God. Act like it. The purpose of the early rain. He said, I'm going to come to you like rain. Like the latter rain and the former rain in the earth. Still on page one. (laughs) The purpose of the early rain. It began around the day of atonement. Went through the feast, the fall feast, into November and December. And the purpose of that was to break up the hard ground. Got some hardness. Got some hardness in here. God said, I'm going to pour out the rain. Soften you up a little bit. And the purpose of the latter rain, it fell in the springtime. It brought the fruit to maturity. We need to grow up. Hallelujah. Until the fullness of the man Christ Jesus. Into the full stature of the man. Not bawling and squalling over every trial and tribulation you go through. I'm tired of bawling and squalling and sucking snot Christians. We need to be strong in these last days. Almost every trial I've ever gone through, I went by myself. Almost every dangerous part of any nation, God sent me by myself. Why? To make me strong. Hallelujah. Don't mess with me. I might be five foot four, but I think I'm six feet tall. Hallelujah. The latter rain was for the maturity. The maturity of the sons of God. Why? To get the harvest in. The harvest. We must have the harvester's anointing. We need the harvester's anointing. The Bible said in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The Bible says in the Amplified, and he said, pray to the Lord of the harvest to force out, to thrust out the laborers. Sometimes God has to do that, get us behind and kick us out. Sometimes he has to do that. Because we have to have this revelation that we are God's son, the devil's master, and man's servant. If we are confused about that, we will never demonstrate the power of God. We are God's son. I'm not God's servant. I'm God's son. 
a son, even though he's a little boy, he's still an heir. And when he grows up, he becomes a son. Hallelujah. The fullness of the son. I'm God's son. I'm the devil's master. And I'm man's servant. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 10 verse 19. There's two words for power in there. The Lord said, Behold, I give unto you power to tread. The power is for treading. Treading on what? Serpents and scorpions. Serpents are in the air. Scorpions are on the ground. In the air or on the ground. Hallelujah. The Lord says, I give unto you power to tread over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means harm you. Hallelujah. Those two words, power, are two different words. Behold, I give unto you power to tread. That word is exousia, authority. To tread upon all the power of the enemy. The power of the enemy is dunamis. Do you know that the enemy has dunamis? I was over in Africa and we had an intercession and prayer meeting and there was a woman from Tulsa. And she was down on the floor and she was laughing, ha, 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 devil. And I thought, don't do that. Don't do that. Yes, we have authority over the dunamis of the enemy. But the way that woman was praying, mm, I feared for her. We have to understand the enemy has dunamis. I heard one man, he was praying and there was a witch and a warlock, a sorcerer came into the meeting. And he was coming up in the prayer line and the minister moved by word of knowledge. He knew who that man was. And he went to reach out and touch him and he was thrown to the floor because he was, anyway, he was a warlock. He could levitate 30 feet into the air and the power of God threw him onto the ground. Hallelujah. And he was fighting some invisible foe, rolling all over the floor and fighting like a man and rolling all over. And the man said to the Lord, Lord, I wanted you to bless him, not kill him. <laughs> but either way, Lord, if he won't give his heart to the Lord, we cannot advance God's kingdom without Christ's power. We must have his power. The kingdom of God is not in word only, but in power. Hallelujah. We must have the power of the Holy Spirit. We must have a deep desire for the presence of God. Full of faith and love. Because love works with the faith. If we're going to release the gifts of the Holy Spirit... Hallelujah. Once in a while, sometimes the Lord uses me through the gift of faith and the working of miracles. Sometimes. The first time that it ever happened to me, my youngest daughter brought my little granddaughter. She was, a, I don't know, three, four years old. And her name is Ronica. Her hips were rotating out and her feet were buckling and her feet would... Go like this, you know, she would run and she would step on her feet and fall on her face. So they took her to the doctor. The doctor did x-rays and told my daughter that they have to put her in a three-quarter body cast for six months. 
So anyway, I babysat for my little granddaughter that day. And I saw Ronica running and she ran on top of her feet and then fell on the floor. And something rose up on the inside of me. I didn't know that was the gift of faith at the time. I just was righteously angry. I looked at Ronica and when she fell and was crying, I said, Ronica, get up. So she got up and I said, stand in front of me like that. And I put my hands on her hips. I said, in the name of Jesus, I command these hips, rotate out now. Legs straighten out now. And they did. They wrote and it went straight. And she has the longest, straightest legs today. Hallelujah. Praise God. But I didn't know that was the gift of faith and the working of miracles. I thought I was just angry at the devil. Hallelujah. Praise God. So whenever you feel a stirring on the inside of you, follow the stirring. Hallelujah. As I spoke a couple of weeks ago, the believer's anointing is the most important anointing in your life. It's more important than the apostolic anointing. More important than the prophetic anointing. The anointing on the inside abides permanently on the inside of you. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 2. Praise God. The anointing is there and will lead you into all truth. There is no lie in Him. He will lead you into all truth. Praise God. And maybe demonstrating His power. Hallelujah. God just, you know, takes the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, the base things of the world. That would be me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And holiness. If we have holiness, sin must be confessed and repented, turned away from. We be humble and seek the face of the Lord and He will flow through us. Praise God. But we have to be willing to pay the price for revival. Do you know that revival is work? In Isaiah chapter 9, it says in verse 5, there is a price to revival. It's called Pentecost because it will cost you something. Hallelujah. But it is not so unattainable. The fire that came on the day of Pentecost is not unattainable. It is attainable. It is for now. It is possible. Hallelujah. God wants to do it again. In Isaiah chapter 9 verse 5 it says, And every warrior's sandal from the noisy battle and the garments rolled in blood will be used for burning and fuel the fire. Woo! Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus! Hallelujah! My war sandals, battles that we have won. Hallelujah! Because of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, every battle we win, the closer we get to this end-time revival. Can you say amen? And the garments rolled in blood. Praise God! My garments, my robe of righteousness has been rolled in the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So I stand before Him sanctified. And so my garments and what I am and who I am, my war boots will be used for burning and fuel the fire. 
Because it says in verse 2, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. That is the result of my prayers and your prayers. They have seen a great light. You have multiplied the nations and increased its joy. It says in verse 3, verse 4, because you have broken the yoke of his burden and the staff off of his shoulders. Hallelujah. I want to see people set free. I want to see them set free. I want to see them come into their destiny. I want to see them receive their inheritance. My Indian people, we have been pushed to the back of the bus long enough. We have been called dumb and stupid and stink and poor long enough. Hallelujah. God wants to bring them and raise them up. Praise God. And He wants to break every yoke of bondage off of them. Every ancestral spirit. Every hereditary spirit. He's going to break it off of them and cause them to rise up into the full stature of the man Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. And we will stand alongside of you in this revival. Revival is absolutely necessary. The church is messed up. The church is confused. Don't you know that? It's totally confused. I was reading a Barna survey report, 2017. Barna goes out there and they interview Christians, a very large segment of it, and they take an average and they let us know where the church is. And when they did this survey, they said 38, almost 40%, almost 4 out of 10 professing Christians believe and are sympathetic to the Muslim teaching. 52% of practicing Christians strongly agree that the Bible teaches God helps those who help themselves. Huh. I've heard Christians quote that. 28%, almost 3 in 10 practicing Christians strongly agree that all people pray to the same God or spirit, no matter what name they use for that spiritual being. My Indian people are like that. They want to change the name Jesus. But the Lord said, there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Not we should be, we must be saved. Because if there's a heaven, there's a hell. Mm. Up in Alaska, we call him Diki on Kawu. That means the great father above. Diki on Kawu, do yeet. We had a revelation of the Son of God. Do yeet means God's Son. Diki on Kawu, do yeet. But that's not good enough for me. God's Son. His name is Jesus. The Jews call him Yeshua. But we call him Jesus. And we are not about to change His name. Because if you change His name, you change the path to salvation. Then, it's all roads lead to Rome. And then, one segment of society all over the world, they want to change the only Redeemer and cause a co-Redeemer to stand by Jesus. That's Mary. Mary, the mother of Jesus. 
the Virgin Mary. First of all, she's not a virgin anymore. She had sons and daughters, the Bible says. But I say, if they want to make her a co-redeemer with Jesus, then she should have been crucified. She should have been stripped naked like Jesus and hung on her own cross side by side with Jesus. But she was not crucified for my sins. Jesus was. He was the only one was up there. And they had two thieves beside him. One mocked him and one said, Lord, save me. Today you will be with me in paradise, Jesus said to the one. So we always have a choice. God gives us a choice until we become born again. And when we become born again, there's no more choice. Because he's the redeemer. He's the ruler. He's the monarch of the universe. And so when we become a Christian, we look at Matthew all the way to Revelation. And there are literally hundreds and hundreds of commandments in the Bible. One lady said, we're not under the law anymore. I said, yeah, we're not under the law. We're not under the Jewish law. But there are hundreds of commandments in the New Testament. And if we are disciple, then we obey those commandments. Be filled with the Spirit is a commandment. It's not an option. It's not a suggestion. It is a commandment. Be filled with the Spirit. And that means continuously filled. That means being filled today, filled tomorrow, filled next week, filled next month. Filled. 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 Hallelujah. That's a commandment. Amen. If you cannot obey the monarch of the universe, then Christianity is not for you. Then you need to find some other God that you can serve that will make you independent. God helps those who help themselves. That's independence of God. He is God Almighty. He is our Father. He is our Master. He is our Ruler. And we bow to Him. Amen, Sister Flo. 61% agree with ideas rooted in new spirituality. This is where the church is right now. 61% of the body of Christ believe in the ideas rooted in new spirituality. They find these claims all exciting. Because it holds a positive view of religion and emphasizes the supernatural. I believe in the supernatural. I've seen many miracles. I've seen the fire of God, the wind of God, felt the wind, seen lots of things. But I don't follow signs. Signs follow me. Praise God. Hallelujah. We're seeing that today. We're seeing it over and over and over. Let's go on. The world views. I'm a long-winded preacher. I want to make sure you get the point. God is reviving His work in these last days. Hallelujah. That's the message. Hallelujah. The world views or the non-biblical perspectives have crept into the minds of the Christians. The devil, if he gets into your mind, he's got you. If you entertain one negative thought and you don't bring it into captivity, ask me how I know. 
It will go on and on and on. And it's just like on a railroad track. It just keeps going over and over and over. And it's getting stronger and stronger and faster and faster as it goes. We cannot entertain that. We cannot allow that to come into our mind. To finish up with this Barna survey, the most likely to follow these worldly deceptions are, number one, the millennials. They're the young ones. Because several years ago, only 4% of the youth in America believed in the Bible. Only 4%. That's why you see all those young people rioting. They have no parameters. They have no boundaries. The Word of God puts a boundary around us. There are absolutes in the Bible. There are absolutes there. Truth, this truth here changes us. We cannot change the truth. The truth is the truth. You cannot change it. You have to make an adjustment. If two are going to walk together, they have to come into agreement. The Lord said to me, He said, Did you notice when I spoke to Noah and to Moses, it said they walked with me. He said, Did you notice that I didn't walk with them, they walked with me? I said, Well, yeah, I did notice that, Lord. <laughs> and He said, Flo, I'm not coming into agreement with what you think with the way you think it should be done, with your ideas, with your agenda. Unless you come into total agreement with me, we will not walk together. Whew. Jesus. The ones that are most likely to follow these worldly deceptions are the city dwellers. Thank goodness we live up here in the mountains. The other ones are ethnic groups of color. This scares me. Because I believe that's why God is raising up the Latino ministry and Native American Indian ministry. is because they have this propensity to follow the wrong spirit. They think any sign and wonder is of God. My girlfriend from Alaska, who was very intuitive, moved in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, went down to Arizona and was in an Indian meeting down there. And all of a sudden a woman came up on the platform and she had blood gushing out of her hand. And all the Indians rose up and ran. And she said, I ran up there too. I wanted to touch it. See, this is what I'm talking about. We have got to teach them. Those most likely to follow worldly deceptions, the last one is twice as many men will fall into deception than women in these last days. Why is that? I've been asking the Lord, why is that? Because a lot of cults were started by women. Eve was deceived. The man sinned willfully. But Eve was deceived. So I said, if Eve was deceived, how come the men are being deceived in these last days? That bothered me. Because we need the men in the body of Christ. We need them to be strong. They are the head of the woman. We need them to be strong. So I believe because of the man's eye gate, because of what he is watching, so many are looking at the wrong things. But Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and somebody said, a bad Negro. <laughs> bad in the Negro culture means good. <laughs> Shadrach, Meshach, and a bad Negro. 
Daniel, the Bible says that they refused to become part of the Babylonian culture. And because of that, they were ten times better than all those in that Babylonian culture. So praise God, we refuse to be part of the worldly culture. I refuse to be part of some of the culture of my Indian people. I refuse it. Don't care if they don't like me. It doesn't matter. The church is asleep. Uh, look at Luke chapter 9. In Luke chapter 9, the Bible says that Jesus took Peter, James, and John up to the mountain to pray. They were going to have a prayer meeting. Jesus is going to teach them about prayer. And all of a sudden, while he was up there on the Mount of Transfiguration, the Bible said as he prayed, his appearance changed. There is a divine exchange in a prayer meeting. God takes your weakness and puts his strength in you. Hallelujah. He takes all the sickness out of your body and gives you divine health. There is a divine exchange that occurs in a prayer meeting. His face was changed. We are changed in a prayer meeting. When we call for a prayer meeting, we ought to run to the prayer meeting. Because we're going to be changed in that prayer meeting. His robe became white and glistening. And all of a sudden, two residents from another world, from another dimension, Moses and Elijah appeared on that mountain. And what happened? Peter and the other disciples fell asleep. Here there, the glory is transforming. And visitors from another dimension, from heaven comes and they fall asleep. That's the church today, falling asleep. And then the Bible says when Peter was fully awake, because he totally missed the conversation with Jesus and with Moses and Elijah, totally missed it because he was asleep. He didn't hear what they were talking about. Then Moses and Elijah was talking to Jesus about his exit from this life. And so when Peter finally woke up and he rubbed his eyes and he looked and he saw the glory and he said, Lord, let's build three tabernacles. One for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah. He's trying to keep him down here on earth when Jesus was just talking with them about departing from earth. Totally missed it because he fell asleep during the prayer meeting. And then the glory cloud came and it said they were fearful. Peter was a big, strong, I see Peter in my mind's eye, six foot four, ripply muscles, pulling that net of fish out. Now he's big and burly and strong and hairy. But it said he was afraid. When the glory comes, that's the presence of God Almighty. It causes you to become afraid every time. I think in this next move, it's the glory is coming. The glory is coming. Hallelujah. Better get your hearts right, church. Hallelujah. And a voice came out of the glory. This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to, yield to, and obey him. What he tells you. <laughs> and then in Matthew chapter 26, 
Again, it's Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. Jesus is going to the Garden of Gethsemane. And the three that were closest to him, he set them down and said, Stay here and watch with me. Stay here and watch with me. And the Bible said that Satan was trying to kill him prematurely. He was exceedingly sorrowful with death. He was almost dying. He collapsed. He fell on his face and he was praying that God would strengthen him for the cross. He was dying. He was bleeding blood and sweat and water was coming out of his forehead. And he comes back to his disciples and he finds them asleep. And he said, couldn't you tarry with me for one hour? And he goes back and says in verse 40 and verse 43 and verse 45, all three times he came back, all three times he found them asleep. The church is sleeping in the greatest hour, the greatest demonstration of God's spirit. The church is asleep. Revival will wake up a sleeping church. Come on, Jesus. Hallelujah. I've been praying. I was praying for it this morning. I said, Lord, the, the revival is coming. How about today? Not next week. Not next month. Not when some other preacher comes here. How about today? Right now, in this morning, let a revival come. Let the wind of the Spirit come into this place. Hallelujah. Praise God. We need it. Because if you look at the Deca trends, Deca is Greek for ten. If you look at the way the church is today, the way the nation is today, you go back ten years to 2007 and see what happened. See what happened. Ten years ago, that will tell you why the church and the nation is in the condition it's in. The spirit of lawlessness has been released against the church, against this nation. The lawless one is coming. They call him Antichrist. Only Antichrist one time. He's called lawless one. The son of perdition, the man of sin. The son of perdition, I believe, has already been born. The son becomes the man of perdition. And he's on the earth. And he's called the lawless one. And he's breaking all the laws. Changing all the laws. Releasing the lawlessness. And because of lawlessness, the love of many is growing cold. We don't feel empathy for the lost anymore. We don't feel empathy anymore for those that are suffering. Because the love of the church is growing cold. We got to pray for love again. Baptism of love in this revival. The Bible talks about the seven church ages in the book of Revelation. Those were the last words of Jesus. I don't like to read them in like dispensations. I like to read the whole thing. This is all Jesus and he's talking to me. And the last church was Laodicean church. Said they were lukewarm. Lukewarm. Said because you're lukewarm, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Jesus. And they say, I have no need of nothing. We have prosperity. 
We have anointing. We got big jets. What do we need? What do we need you for? We have need of nothing. And the Lord says, those that I love, I rebuke and I chasten. I said, go ahead, spank me again, Lord. Spank me again. I need it, Jesus. Just like I was preaching the other night a couple weeks ago down at Mike's. And my girlfriend said, she said, wow, a couple of times you said something. And she said, wham. She said, wham. Thank you, Jesus. And she was telling me that. Wham, Flo, hit me again. Wham, Flo, hit me again. <laughs> she said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Because three or four times in those churches that Jesus is talking to, he said, to him who overcomes. I want to be an overcomer. An overcomer means I'm overcoming some stuff. I don't just overcome one time. I'm overcoming today. I'm overcoming tomorrow. I overcame last week. I overcame some devils last month. Hallelujah. I kicked the devil. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm an overcomer. Hallelujah. We've got to be an overcomer. Amen. Hallelujah. In this revival that's coming, it's going to be different than the last one. The last one, we were laughing. Laughter doeth good like a medicine. Hallelujah. Every time they laughed, demons were coming out. Demons of perversion, demons of sickness was coming out. God has many ways about Him. Many ways. You're bound to like a few of them. <laughs> that was His way then. But I think what is coming is going to be different. That's my opinion, and I highly respect my opinion. <laughs> my friend, I was telling that to my friend. He said, well, it's good to have an agreement, Flo. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. This next move, the first cleansing. Jesus cleansed the temple twice, and he's going to cleanse it again. He's getting us ready without spot or wrinkle, or any such thing. Hallelujah. The bride is getting ready. John chapter 2. Praise God. I, I had a revelation about this. John chapter 2 and verse 13. It says in verse 13. Now the Passover of the Jews. I said what? The Passover of the Jews? In the book of Exodus. And Leviticus and the book of Numbers, it says the Lord's Passover. Now it's become the Passover of the Jews. Man got in there. The Lord's Passover was when the type of Jesus, the Lamb, was slain. And His blood was spilt. That's the Lord's Passover. When I see the blood, I will pass over you and the destroyer will not come in and destroy hallelujah i believe in these last days the church is going to walk not only in divine healing but divine life divine life the zoe life hallelujah the passover of the jews that tells me way back clear back to the garden of eden and in the time of Jesus, and in these last days, the devil continuously tries to reconfigure Christianity. It says the Passover of the Jews was at hand. 
Jesus went up to Jerusalem and he found in the temple those that sold ox and sheep and doves, money changers doing business. He made a whip and drove them all out, poured out the money changers, overturned the tables and he said, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. When I was up in Alaska, there was a man that was rising in prominence in the past revival. He was a very well-known man, was on TBN, Daystar, all of that. Rising to prominence. When he came, my pastor up in Alaska heard that he was passing through Juneau, and so he invited him to come for one night to minister. And we were all excited. The whole town showed up. The church was packed. We're all excited, and they introduced the man. He got up, and he stood up there for 20 to 25 minutes and sold book after book, DVD after DVD. He was merchandising the anointing. Because he was well-known and popular, he was selling a lot of his stuff. He wasn't happy that they put a table out for him. He wanted to sell his stuff. And he did. I'm sure he sold a lot of stuff. But then he went down. He was no longer in prominence. He's no longer on TBN, as far as I know. Take this out. And the Lord said, I'm going to free the dove in the church. It said that they were selling the sheep and oxen and doves. And the Lord says, I'm going to free the dove. And let the dove of the Holy Spirit begin to move among my people. Because they are my people. And the Lord says, I see the sickness and the disease. I see the bondages of my people. And I have come to set them free. Hallelujah. And then in John chapter 5, just a couple of chapters over, it says in verse 1, Now this was the feast of the Jews. There it is again, the feast of the Jews. It's the feast of the Lord. The Lord, the feast of the Lord. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem and there was by the sheep gate. We are the sheep of his pasture. The people were sitting by the sheep gate and there was a pool of water. The water represents the power of the Holy Spirit. And verse 3, and there was a great multitude of sick people. That's the way it is in the church today. There's so many sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, and they're waiting for the moving of the water for an angel went down at a certain time into the pool, stirred up the water, and whoever stepped in was made well. The devil is trying to reconfigure Christianity to the place where we look for angels now in the meeting to come and bring healing. Yes, angels do come and bring healing and deliverance. I've been in meetings where they've come. But we don't emphasize that. Jesus is the ultimate healer. He must be raised up. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Hallelujah. And there was a man, verse 5, who had an infirmity for 38 years. He sat in the church. 38 years he's sitting in the church and he's sick and he's diseased and he's infirm and the church walks by and says here, Jesus looked at him lying there and he said, do you want to get well? Sometimes we're sick for so long, we don't even want to get well anymore. We're tired of going up there. 
We're tired of going to the altar. We're tired of the hands laid on us and nothing happens. There's no healing. There's no deliverance. So he's tired of it. So he's looking to something else in the church. He's waiting for the stirring of the water and waiting for the angel to come. There's been a lot of emphasis on angels. These last days must be careful. I've seen angels and they work in meetings with me. The sick man said, Lord, I have no man to put me in the pool. The water, when the water is stirred up. And when I'm coming, I'm scooting along and somebody steps in before me. Jesus said, don't look to a man. Don't look to a man to heal you, to put you in the water. I'm the man, Christ Jesus. I'm here to heal you. Rise and take up your bed and walk. Hallelujah. The infirm section is coming back to the church. In today's meeting, the big evangelists, they put the infirm people way off, way, way, way off from the sight of the cameras. But in the days of A.A. Allen, <laughs> come on Jesus, they put them right in the front. People dying of cancer, they laid them on a cot right in the front. And the power of God would hit them and they would jump up. When I was over in Zimbabwe, I was at Reinhard Bonnke's first fire conference. And when I was in that fire conference, Bonnke is my hero. I love Bonnke. He's a man's man. Hallelujah. He gets up there in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. So anyway, he said, those of you who want to give your heart to Jesus, come up now. And we were in the largest tent in the world. 35,000 black people. Hallelujah, in that tent. Whoa, glory to God. Oh, only a few white people in the front with their cameras. Now they, anyway, the power of God hit those people. 5,000 people out of 35,000 people. 5,000 people jumped up and literally went running toward the altar. And all of a sudden, the people in the front row, I was a poor Indian from Alaska, and they had those big video cameras, you know, this was in the 80s, big cameras, you know, and people started screaming at the top of the tent, look, look, look. So I looked up, and I saw this tons of billows of like blue turquoise smoke all over the top of the tent, swirling around. I went carnal immediately. I said, whoa, that must be the sawdust. 5,000 people stirred up sawdust. And I thought, no, you dummy, that's not twirling sawdust. That's the glory. Wow. Hallelujah. He led them to the Lord. And then he began to pray. In the name of Jesus. You know, bunky. Oh, hallelujah. And then he started binding this and binding that. And binding this demon and that demon, people started screaming. They started coming up and being healed. And there was one man on a cot. Four friends brought him, just like the Bible. Four friends brought him. He was paralyzed. He couldn't walk. The power of God hit that man. He jumped up and he didn't care if Kenneth Copeland was on the platform. He didn't care who's who in the Pentecostal zoo. They were all up there. He gone, ran up on the platform, was running back and forth with his hands lifted up, shouting, Hallelujah! 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 
And people started screaming again, look, look, look. And the glory cloud uh, came back. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Help me to finish, Lord. The second cleansing is where we're at. The second cleansing in the temple. In Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21, verse 10 and 11, it said, The whole city was moved. Who is this? The whole city was stirred. All of Stanwood is going to be stirring one day. Who is this? Who's healing up there on that mountain? Who's doing the healing? This is Jesus. Hallelujah. This is Jesus. The prophet from Nazareth. And Jesus goes into the temple, verse 12 through 14. And he drove out all those who bought and sold, overturned the tables, and freed the dove again. There he is freeing the dove, the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit move in our midst today, Lord. And he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. But you have made it a den of thieves. Look what happened after he cleaned the house. I'm telling you, he's going to clean his house. Like somebody says, he's going to clean your clock. (laughs) Hallelujah. In verse 14, it says, after he cleaned, it said, then the blind came and the lame came to him in the temple. And he healed them. After the cleansing comes the healing. Praise God. So don't resist the cleansing because the blind are blinded by the God of this age who have blinded them to the light of the gospel. Those that are perishing are blinded. But Jesus wants us to bind the spirit of blindness so that the light of the gospel can shine upon them. And it said that the lame came and Jesus healed them. He's going to revive his work. In John chapter 11, this is the story about Lazarus. Lazarus was dead. He was a friend of Jesus and they buried him. And he was in the grave four days. And he came, Jesus came. Though he is four days late, he's never late. He's right on time. He's right on time. And he told Mary and Martha, he said, if you will believe... You will see the glory of God. If you would believe, you will see the glory of God. And then he yells out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And the dead came forth, the Bible says. And he was bound hand and foot in grave clothes. And a grave cloth was put over his face. He couldn't see He couldn't do anything. He couldn't walk right. There are a lot of people today that don't walk right because they are bound with shackles. They are bound with grave clothes. But the Bible says that Jesus yelled out, Lazarus, come forth. That was his work. But our work, he tells us what our work is. He said, loose him and let him go. That's our work. So when he said, if you will believe, you will see the glory. When God raises the dead, no man raises the dead. When God raises the dead back to life, 
that is the glory of God. That is God's work. But when he has put his anointing on the inside of us, and he said, loose him and let him go, that's our work. He has his work, we have our work. And our work is to loose this generation that is bound in shackles and don't walk right. They're covered in grave clothes. They don't smell right. They don't walk right. They don't talk right. But hallelujah, Jesus can make it all right. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So let him cleanse us. Let his fire purge us. Hallelujah. Let him put his oil on the inside of us. And let us go out and loose this generation. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. I tell you. When they start hooping and hollering. When they put on their dancing moccasins. (laughs) And they dance before the king of kings. And they twirl and it won't be at no powwow either. (laughs) Glory to God. Hallelujah. When the Latinos yell out to God for the anointing. Mas, mas, mas. (laughs) Mas, mas, mas. Hallelujah. We want more, more, more. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's stand up. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's, you hold hands with the one next to you. Praise you, Jesus. Father, I thank you for the glory that is being released in this hour. I thank you, Lord, that the heavens are coming down. The heaven is coming down into the church. I thank you that the glory is coming into your church. I thank you, Father God, you are filling us with a fresh new anointing. Hallelujah. And we will be responsible. Whatever you put in us, Father, is what we will release. And Lord, I thank you that it increases right now in Jesus' name. Increases now in Jesus' name. And Lord, we will loose them and set them free. Father, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International. Warning Radio is a listener-supported program. We need your donations in order to continue airing these Christ-centered prophetic programs. Send your checks or money orders to World Ministries International, Post Office Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. To donate securely by phone, call 360-629-5248. Visit our website to find other ways of giving and a wealth of information about World Ministries International and host Dr. Jonathan Hansen. The website is worldministries.org. There, you'll also have access to hundreds of previously aired radio programs, made-for-television videos, thousands of articles, Dr. Hansen's books, and travel itinerary. Again, the website is worldministries.org. 
The phone number is 360-629-5248. Remember, the Lord is not slow about the promise of His return, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for everyone to come to the repentance that leads to eternal life.